This is it. This is how it all ends. Hey, luckily we built this fancy bunker for our new podcast studio. You think this is going to protect us? I failed to stock up on anything other than fine whiskey and cigars. This thing's essentially a bomb-proof humidor. I don't see the problem here. I'd rather drunkenly starve than go out and refurbish what's left of the world. What about the American dream, Grant? What about all of the time we've spent dissecting different topics and learning how to communicate and address issues on our nation? What was that all for nothing? Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> well, shit. Okay, I guess grab the art bag. I need a peated scotch. Listen, I, I commend you for trying. We began this podcast to learn more about ourselves and lean into other perspectives on important issues. But no one cares about that shit. People are either too stupid or too self-involved. Well, geez, that's a, that's a bit pessimistic, uh, which sounds hilarious to say out loud as we sit here hunkered down in a bunker while the world goes to shit. Hey, are you going to share that bottle of our bag, or are you just going to cradle it? Oh, sorry, I, I'm i a bit stressed. And I'm guessing therapy doesn't exist in a post-nuclear war society, you know, because they're all fucking dead. Look at it this way. Our shared value while doing this podcast has always been to promote individual responsibility and autonomy. Average everyday people didn't do this. It was the elites at the top of government power that did this. Yes, we may all argue like idiots on Facebook or Twitter, fall into partisan traps, and we've all contributed to the social divide. But power-hungry narcissists provoke this. I don't blame Putin or Kim Jong-un alone. I blame everyone in leadership for acting in the best interests of themselves, rather than making a true effort at diplomacy. We're too worried about letting people with pink hair have equal voice in the situation room. Guess what we learned today? Nukes don't care who you identify as. You make the same sound as everyone else does when you vaporize. <laughs> you, amid all of this, you still managed to bash diversity quotas. I'm very impressed. If only the Women's March could have prevented nuclear war. 70 cents on the dollar looks pretty fucking good right now, doesn't it? Are we just going to inject every social dilemma into this situation? I mean, at least this current situation isn't nearly as bad as the insurrection of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Do you remember where you were? I do. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I refer to that day as 9-11 2.0. Wait. What? I just remembered. I brought all of our podcasting equipment with us. We could record and broadcast our whiskey-induced ramblings out from this bunker. We could inspire millions. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. One, how? We have no power, and let alone internet. And two... Millions? You think we're going to inspire millions? Inspire them to do what? You fool. You forget how good of a producer I am. Before the bombs fell, I secured hundreds of doses of the COVID-19 vaccine. Moderna, not that Pfizer shit. The amount of 5G radiating from these bad boys is enough to power us for years to come. As for power, I installed an entire field of nuke-proof solar panels. All it took was an egregious amount of deforestation. Not that those trees would have survived anyway. I had Jake install them. My, my God. We're, we'll be the only podcast broadcasting across the airwaves. We could make billions in Dogecoin, which will hopefully be worth something once civilization emerges from their bunkers. All right. All right. I think I have everything set up. Give me a couple test sips from your whiskey into the mic. All right. Here we go. Mm. Yeah, that sounds good. Good, good, good. Yeah. All right. Let's get some of our favorite jazz music going. Yeah, okay, yeah, good vibe. All right, we're on in five, four, three, two. In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. 
Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. People of the world, coming to you from our humble bomb-proof whiskey lounge. We hope you are alive and well amid the nuclear holocaust, but chances are you're probably dead. That's okay. The future inhabitants of this planet will eventually hear this and learn, or hopefully learn, how to not do war. Don't nuke people. It doesn't work out so well. I don't care if I make an alopecia joke or not. Extreme violence is never the answer. (laughs) Hey, we even got a a Will Smith, Jada Pinkett Smith jab in there. Whatever. Fuck them. I don't even remember that that happened. That was, it feels like ages ago. Welcome to the fog of war. All right. How do we get here? How do we end up in this bunker full of whiskey and cigars talking about anything that we can think of? And obviously today's random topic is uh, nuclear war. Uh, What do you think, Grant? How did we get here and how do we prevent this from happening? Uh, is this just the natural natural course of uh, evolving advanced civilizations that we just keep escalating things until eventually we, I don't know, smoke ourselves out? Is that just the way of evolution? Is that the way of, of human nature? We're just warmongering insane people who are ready to commit mass genocide, regardless if we're if it if it advances our own interests or ensures our own decimation by by uh, a response in kind whether that be another nuke or many <laughs> well i think i think the bigger question is how did we survive for the past 70 years without actually using a nuclear or or atomic weapon the united states launched two against japan the likes of which are so small in comparison to what we have today in our arsenal and then of course the 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 space race and the cold war and iran is knocking on the door of having nuclear weapons north korea is playing with uh, intercontinental missiles and india has nuclear weapons england has nuclear weapons everyone has a technology now but no one's used it because everyone like the world unanimously agreed for one moment no matter communist democratic whatever society we all agreed that nuclear warheads were bad. Look at look what it did to Japan. Even today, we're still learning the, the side effects of, of the people that have been exposed to nuclear fallout from that explosion. How is it that even if like what you're saying is true, that we are we're going to evolve to just bigger and bigger pissing contests, how is it that we didn't do this earlier? How is it that we came so close in the Cold War? The Soviet Union came so close, literally putting missiles on the island of Cuba, and it didn't happen. Was diplomacy back then and, and, and being gentlemanly and, and statesmanlike just more readily available? And nowadays, it's just, it's easier to be clickbaity online and Trump can call Kim Jong-un rocket man on Twitter and get a bunch of likes and it's like, ha ha ha. And, but but that, what's the consequence of that? We've devolved in our communications. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. If Twitter existed during the Cold War, maybe we'd be fucked. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? How how close to the edge we've been teetering. I mean, that's that's what we started this with. That's the Oppenheimer quote. It's like I am I become death, destroyer of worlds, and and I don't know. I was it Einstein who said like I don't know if there's going to be a World War Three or something, but World War Four is going to be fought with sticks and stones in not even a full century. It hasn't been a hundred years since the advent of these weapons, and yeah, since then it's been an interesting like the idea of mutually assured destruction. Like yeah, okay, we all agreed as a world that they're bad, but meanwhile we all amplified our nuclear arsenal to an insane level where we could destroy this planet like 10 times over. Maybe it's just me. And maybe maybe I'm naive and too optimistic for my own good. But I feel like there's some kind of human instinct that e- like even the worst of the worst, like even the the leader of Iran, even the leader of North Korea, even the leader of Russia, you know, obviously we, these names have become synonymous with evil. 
in the world today. And, you know, comparisons are drawn to Hitler and, and, and Mussolini of, of the 40s and 50s and, and Stalin's, you know, of the world. And it's like, well, maybe, you know, obviously, obviously they're bad people. Obviously they've committed atrocity and, and war crimes and, and they've committed genocide. And in, in some respects, China has been putting people who are Muslim in concentration camps effectively. And, and while we don't have any proof that they're like actually just killing them, like the Holocaust, they are quote unquote re-educating them and, and using them as labor camps for sure. Even that being said, even as evil as they can be, I'm still pretty optimistic that they aren't stupid enough to launch a nuke because they know that the ramifications of that would be their own demise. The only one I, I think I have a, a question mark by is Kim Jong-un because North Korea has literally nothing to lose. They are like only the 1%, which is, I'd say, 100 people who live in the palace, live amazing lives, have access to uh, technology and, and, and Wi-Fi and internet and food, while the, the, the rest of the millions who live in their country are, are starving and walking over dead bodies in the street. So, and they, so they just don't give a shit. And I think they, they want to prove something ever since the Korean War. That one, they, they don't really need China, even though they're, they are allies. But two, that they can be a world power. They want to show that they are a, a forceful contender in the world stage, which they'll never be just because of the, the sheer fact that they're just too small and anyone can slap them down. But if they launch a nuke, what's our response? It, I think our response to North Korea launching a nuke is going to be a different response than if Russia were to launch a nuke. Because if Russia or China or, or even Iran launches a, a nuke or, or God forbid, the Taliban or, or the Muslim Brotherhood or Al-Qaeda get a hold of a nuclear weapon. What's our response to that? Because that to me feels a little bit more serious and large scale than North Korea playing around when the rest of the world, I think even Russia, looks at North Korea like a, a redheaded stepchild and is like, oh yeah, you know, we we applaud you when you badmouth the U.S. because it's funny on Twitter, but in real life, you're kind of an idiot and, and just a child with a, with a red button. If North Korea did that, I think the world community would respond in kind or would just everyone just like we're done with North Korea they're off the map and I'm not saying nuke them I'm saying we we're going to go in there with whether it be NATO or the UN or just the United States or, or Russia even and say okay you're done you're done playing games but if Russia did it what would our response be and that's why my, that question of our response makes me think that Russia would never even think to do that, even at their worst, even at Putin's stupidest. Chemical weapons, maybe. Or biological weapons, maybe. But a nuke? A nuke's going to kill and have, and have long-lasting effects, and I, I don't know what we would do. Would we respond with a nuke as well? Well, then there, there's your mutually assured destruction. Back and forth, back and forth. That's how you get video game stories, right? Or is it they launch a nuke, and then everyone takes a breath, and then we just go in there and slap them down with conventional boots on the ground and say, oh, no, you fucking didn't. And then they're like, oh, crap. And then we seize their missile silos, that we seize their nuclear capabilities and and destroy them. But I, again, I don't think Russia's that stupid. I don't think China's that stupid. I don't think we're that stupid. We're not, no one's going to preemptively launch a nuke you know, over Ukraine. And if Russia does that over Ukraine, the, the thing that's going on right now, a timely topic, I, I don't know, then he's lost his marbles. He's not trying at that point. He's just he's just doing shit to do shit. And I don't think that Putin or Xi Jinping or any other larger world power other than North Korea is stupid enough to do that. I don't think I think they can read the room well enough. North Korea is an oddball to me. I don't know what the plan is with them. I don't know. Am I being too naive? I I, I think I, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think that it's going to happen. In, in talking about Russia and whether or not they're stupid or insane enough to do something like that, it's like I, I didn't think that they were stupid or insane enough to like go whole hog into Ukraine. And meanwhile, they did. It makes you take a pause where you're like, oh, they would never. And then, oh, it happened. 
Oh, literally anything is possible. You don't know where this person is at or how isolated they are. I mean, and that's just like, it's definitely earth shattering change to the balance of power in the world, right? Obviously, there's a lot of posturing that goes on, like, don't fuck with us or, you know, because we have nukes and like, okay, nuclear power is going to say that. That makes sense. It's like bluffing while also like calling our bluff where it's like, you're not going to do anything to mess with this because like, hey, we're not fucking with your allies technically and this is something we want and if you fuck with us, we're going to nuke you basically. And it's like, okay, that's a very real threat to make as a nuclear power and it's a very real response for us to say, okay, well, if you fuck with our allies, we're going to fucking nuke you to shit. It is amazing how close on the edge of like teetering there is and I mean, what World War II when we, when we dropped nukes, were we the only ones with nukes at that point like that gave the world pause like, oh look, this is the destruction cap- that we're capable of now and there was no one to respond to that but at this point like russia is like okay we're not getting what we want from ukraine let's pull our troops out of uh the capital city of kiev or kiev i don't know how you pronounce it anymore whatever and it's like okay are they preparing for another blow or are they going to do something really drastic are they gonna are they gonna demonstrate the power they have and are we gonna respond at that point because it's still not our ally necessarily or even like deploying chemical weapons or biological weapons which our lovely president said in Poland oh if you use chemical weapons in this place that isn't our ally we're gonna respond in kind it's like what what are we talking about here what is about to happen what what is going on so I don't know I like I I agree with you I don't think Putin's necessarily that insane but I I don't know anymore there's there's always that that pause that question of like what is this person capable of and yeah someone like North Korea I'm definitely terrified like they have nothing to lose and clearly they're they're insane they could do literally anything I mean I I don't think it's a fair comparison to say like like obviously we didn't expect well I kind of did still surprising that Putin would go whole hog into Ukraine I think I think I expected it I think I, I did. Um, I, I think I was waiting for it ever since Crimea happened. They've been waiting for the right moment. And I, I, I unfortunately, I think that the right moment for them was the fact that our country seems to be weakened by inter turmoil, domestic social divide that, you know, we can't even agree on simple things. And our, our president doesn't have the same veracity at the podium as the previous one. And, and whether or not that's good or bad for our politics or not, or policy wise or not, it doesn't matter. I think Putin is able to take advantage of the fact that we're kind of looked at as smaller than before. Our response as a community has been to put the Ukrainian flag on our profile picture and say, I stand with Ukraine and maybe donate some money here and there for humanitarian aid for places that are actually doing some good work. And that's wonderful. But we're encroaching on this quasi-globalist society where we no longer have this, this, I'm going to use a dirty word, nationalistic pride. I don't mean nationalism as in the sense of like Third Reich Germany nationalism, but I mean just being proud of where you're from. You know, I serve my country. I, I live here. I love my people. I defend the Constitution. I love the values, and I would love for those values to be echoed throughout the halls of the world without force, but with, you know, hey, freedom is awesome, and you should be able to do what you want, and it, it, it breeds the most creativity and humanity and empathy and compassion and all that stuff. I don't think I don't think it's comparable to say, because like, this happens all the time. We've invaded countries. We've done things. We, we, we hold uh, territories. We, we, we've made actions that, you know, maybe I don't agree with, or you don't agree with, or the world doesn't agree with, but we have. That doesn't mean that then, oh, a slippery slope, what's America going to nuke next? I think, you know, Russia invading Ukraine was Russia flexing their ability to invade a country 
and they did. Does that mean that I think they're more susceptible to launching a nuke? No, I, I think that they, they might be more susceptible to use chemical warfare or use some other advanced unconventional or, or, or techno technological style, either cyber attack or something on either Ukraine or another area to get what they want. But that that's a whole hell of a lot different than launching a nuke. Unless there's something new with chemical warfare where it's going to kill as, as many, if not more, with residual effects genetically down the road than a nuclear warhead that we just don't know about. It'd be the same type of deal as in 1945, we launched the nukes in, in August against Japan. And then we, we didn't know they were atom bombs at the time, but you know, we didn't, we didn't know the effects would actually be what they were. We, we didn't. Unfortunately, that was a test and we, we really fucked over the Japanese people. They surrendered though. It worked. And then there's an ethical question there too. Is it ethical for us to do that? Had we known the exact effects of what would have happened, would we have done it? And some would argue, well, we might've killed hundreds of thousands of people in, a, in the, in the blink of an eye just vaporized with, you know, with white light and then sent thousands more to have cancer down the road and their kids to have cancer down the road because of the nuclear fallout. You know, we, we didn't know. And now we know, and unfortunately, that's that's just the the the, the dirty side of, of human engagement. Because at the end of the day, not everything can be fought with diplomacy. I would hope that it could. I would hope that we exhaust every single aspect, every single breath that we can before we get to any kind of point like that. Obviously, you're going to have collateral, you know, but you're going to have you're going to have artillery fire killing civilians and, and and hospitals and whatnot in Ukraine. That's going to happen. I I don't condone it. I don't think it's right. Russia's engaging in conventional warfare. They're engaging in conventional invasion of a country and they, they want to take the country over. How do you how do you diplomatically go to the president of another country and say, hello, sir, would you like to be a part of our country now when you know they don't like you? And maybe maybe they did. Maybe they tried that. Maybe they have they have had that communication for the last five years since Crimea and it has never gone the way that Putin wanted. So Putin just said, all right, fuck it. We're better. We're bigger than you. We're better than you. And now we're seeing that they're not. So is, the question is, is Putin going to be pushed so far back into a corner with now the reports saying that he doesn't even know how, how poorly his military is doing and they're giving him false reports to make him feel better. And now he's backed into a corner. They're pulling out from parts of Kiev and they, they just gave Chernobyl back to Ukraine because like hundreds of Russians just got severely exposed to radiation because they're stupid. They're not well trained. And we're learning that. We're, we're watching an, a, a massive embarrassment of what we thought was a world power be just fucked over by grandmas and farmers in the streets with AK-47s. And it's hilarious, but it's also scary because what does that mean for Russia? What's what's their retaliation? If they have the capability to, to do a larger scale attack, will they? And is that larger scale attack, is that nuclear? I don't think so. Not yet. I think I'm more afraid of other wild cards like North Korea or Iran, or if God forbid Al-Qaeda or another psychotic organization gets a hold of it. And I can just, I can, I can ramble on, but I, I, I just, I don't, I don't think that them invading Ukraine whole hog and having the dedication to do that is a signal for them being able to, or being capable mentally to launch a nuclear nuclear warfare. Isn't that kind of terrible though that it's like literally down to the decision of one person? I mean that's that's how it is here. Luckily, I mean the difference between us and them is that we do have some kind of chain of command where you have like it literally is the president with a nuclear football. He has nuclear codes that change every odd days or every odd months or whatever. You know, he he makes the call. There's not there's not this red button in the White House that everyone pictures, right? He doesn't just press this button and then a nuke flies. He he gives a signal and he gives the codes over the radio or over the over the uh, secure communication line. And then it goes down to people who are at whatever missile silo he's calling on to fire, um, depending if you're firing from the East Coast, 
or the West Coast, depending on where your target is. And then you have two high-ranking officials who are at the helm with their longer than an arm distance apart, so you can't turn the key with just one person. And they both turn the key, they put in the code, and then they select their target, and it gets vetted. It's it's a, I forget how long it takes, I think it's an eight-minute process. That's enough time, believe it or not, for someone in that line of command to go, whoa, Mr. President, hold on. If they all are agree- in agreement or if there's enough doubt, especially if it's just out of nowhere, if the president were to just be like, oh, fuck it, nuke them. We have people in, 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 in place to be like, whoa, hold on, you just can't do that. Now, Russia's different. Obviously, Putin can just be like, do it or I'm going to kill you. That's his MO. I'm pretty confident Kim Jong-un just has like a, a button strapped to his chest that he just like slaps his chest whenever he wants to and a missile goes off. Uh, <laughs> well, hasn't he done it yet then, though? Like, what's stopping him? That's the weird question, right? I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of it has to do with recognition because I think he knows that to be taken seriously on the world stage, you can't be crazy. But to get attention... You have to be crazy. I think that's why he respected Trump so much. Is, is not, not 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 that Trump's crazy, but Trump's bomb Trump's bombastic, right? He's very vocal. He's very silly and and un, unconventional when it comes to what we think of a statesman as a president, right? Trump goes out and says all this shit and calls him names, and then somehow gets a meeting with him. And for the first time since Korea, the Korean War, we have a president at the demilitarized zone shaking hands and stepping into North Korea and having a meeting with Kim Jong Un. That's fucking nuts. And I commend our president for. Doing Doing it, but there's a reason why he was able to do it because Kim Jong Un respected the fact that he was just saying shit. That's what he does. So I think there's something to, to do with him maybe holding out hope for the fact that he will be taken seriously as a world power. But at the t- at the same time, he's making mistakes as far as human rights violations and, and and these atrocities in his own country and the censorship and the and you know basically putting up a, an electric fence around the country and you can't escape, you can't enter. It's it's just a, a prison camp. I don't know. I, I think is there going to be a breaking point or is he just waiting? for the right moment to where it makes sense for him to be like, okay, I'm just going to launch a nuke. Let's see what happens. I mean, he's launched plenty of, of non-nuclear warheads in the in the sea between him and, and, and Japan, but just landing in the ocean. So I, I don't know. It's a good question. Why hasn't he? Why won't he? Every month, Grant and I will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey. If you don't agree with our opinions on these issues, that's great. We want to hear from you and hear your side of the story. Our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing to the same division that exists in our hyperpartisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions. The Kogan Conversation is a podcast that welcomes respectful discourse, paired with a glass of whiskey, of course. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming episode or join us for a glass of whiskey, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Wouldn't it be nice to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing from the Kogan Conversation? Subscribing to our podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course following us on social media helps immensely. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any episodes or information. Cheers! We talk about the like the realization that kind of destructive power that we had we were wielding at that point and uh, we bombed Japan right and, and it's like what that was enough to really get multiple generations of people 
to understand this the the grave nature of the weapons right are we far enough removed now that like we that lesson has faded over time people in japan probably still have that generational like they know what it does because they've lived with it for generations now and it's affect them down the line and down the line and down the line but i mean it's like look look at those soldiers that went to chernobyl like they probably didn't even believe that a disaster had happened there because they'd be led to believe something different and now they're gonna fucking die of radiation poisoning like and that's just that's got to be a result of enough generations removed from this thing happening and that wasn't even that long ago chernobyl right not like as long ago that that dropping the bombs on hiroshima and nagasaki were someone as insane as as kim jong-un not being alive when those bombs are dropped not truly understanding the weapon that he wields and yeah he wants to look powerful on the world stage but also clearly they have built this insane reality for themselves where, you know, he's a literal god to his people and, you know, they're like the most prosperous nation in the world and he can his dad did nine hole in ones on his first time playing golf like this like that literal insane shit. It, it that maybe this this shaking up of what that's happened in Ukraine, like the the subtle fear of like we have our nuclear forces on alert and that's like signaling like, yeah, don't fuck with us because you know we're still a world power. Is that what Kim Jong-un wants? Like don't fuck with us because we have the capacity to do this like okay that's what every other country developed country in the world has done since you know world war ii is we have condemned using the nuclear arms but we still want to have them because you don't want to be the dude in the bar fight who doesn't have the knife right i, I think you're i think you're right i think we've, we've become so desensitized to the fact that there are generations now who exist like fuck there are there are people who are old enough to drink who were not alive for 9-11. That's fucking wild. Take that into consideration when we're when we're looking at world history. You and I were alive for obviously 9-11, but we were alive for the advent of the internet becoming an actual thing. We were alive for dial-up. We were alive for flip phones. We were alive for before you had a flip phone. That was that was normal for us. And now it's normal for a, a five-year-old to have access to their iPhone. That's wild. So how quickly does a generation forget the hardship and the the, the terrors and the the, the 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 bad things that have happened? I would say pretty quick, especially with our technologically advanced society where everything, information is just quick, 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 quick. Now you can Google and, and YouTube Japan and the launch of a little boy and fat man, and you can see the mushroom cloud, you can see the effects, you can watch a documentary on it. And I think that that medium is important to teach people to physically be there and witness it, or to physically have been told the story firsthand or secondhand or even thirdhand in, in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, during the Cold War when now, oh, that power that we just witnessed in Japan that ended the war for VJ Day, uh, victory in Japan, now Russia has that, and now India has that. Now the European Union has that. And now it's now it's more real. And the Cold War spurred off all this discussion and an ethical dilemma of like who should have a nuke. Well, no one should have a nuke. Well, yeah, but they exist now. We have the technology, so we better have a nuke. We better have a knife at, at the at the bar. So how do we get back to that point? You know, now we have soldiers or 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 people who are in the power of being able to launch that nuke or press that button or or to use certain types of warfare who weren't even alive during as old as the last couple presidents have been. They weren't alive coherent enough or or old enough to understand what was going on in 1945 to have any kind of political grasp on what was going on. I, I read an, a really interesting article the other day that was, uh, I think you and I might have talked about it off camera, but they were actually advocating for more testing of nuclear weapons 
to show the public and to show the world that this is what this fucking shit does. We're going to put a parade on uh, uh, that shows us the force of our shoulders or the force of our armament. And everyone does that. Everyone shows how well you can walk in step and how everyone looks really nice in their uniform. And, you know, oh my God, you have thousands of people who are w ready to volunteer their life for your country. And that's amazing. North Korea does it. Russia does it. We've done it. It's just, it's just how it is, military parade. But to actually show the force of a nuclear weapon like we have had done in the 50s and 60s, I think the last time we actually tested a warhead was in the early 80s, I think, the hydrogen bomb. And now we, there might have been remote testing. There might have been under the radar testing. Who knows what's going on in, in, in Area 51? We have bombs and things that are far more powerful today. Okay. At the expense, unfortunately, of the environment, I'm guessing. Find a remote place in New Mexico like we've done before or a remote island in the middle of nowhere or fuck. How about the moon? Let's go when we have enough technology to go up to the moon and, and build a little nuclear test site and, and build one of those fake nuclear, you know, family suburbs to show the effects of what it would do. Maybe that would make people think twice about, you know, saying things off the cuff, like, well, why don't we just nuke the Middle East? You know, what, you know maybe maybe it's an option for North Korea or, or Russia or China. I, I think I think there's some truth to that, but I also would love for us to get away from nuclear warfare and get it closer to nuclear energy. So I don't know. Yeah, I think testing definitely. I think, I mean, if anything, North Korea doing their test has definitely shown the world that, hey, they're uh, probably a force to be reckoned with and we should, you know, be concerned with that. Unfortunately, yes, people aren't going to go and watch archival footage from the World War II, especially kids who are younger than 21 who have no real concern for anything other than themselves. But that's most people, right? That's what we talked about in our intro. People are self-interested and delusional. But there was something about something like 9-11 uh, that was visceral enough and, and it, it shook our nation to its core. And it was it still lingers like that's the, the core of the, the never forget. Right. It's something like a Pearl Harbor that's like very close to home. And America, fortunately, hasn't had a lot of that other than when we're fighting ourselves or sending people off overseas. But now you can see everything in the world happening. You can see everything that's happening in Ukraine instantly when it happens. Unfortunately, I think it does have a bit of a desensitizing effect where it's horrible to watch. You would hope nowhere in the 21st century we would have people killing each other like this to this degree and just being this inhuman to each other also shows you something primal about human beings and, and power as it is in the world. I was just going to say, I don't think it's inhuman at all. I think it's bad and terrible and awful. And it's against the, the codes of, of society that we have written. We have all agreed in most of the world that, you know, murder is bad and killing is bad and, and hurting children is bad and, and rape is bad and pedophilia is bad, all this stuff, right? There's, a, there's like a massive understanding of, of what is not good. But at the end of the day, we're animals. We're primal. Like you, you said it best that, that we are primal beings. What are primal beings going to do with new tools that they get? They're going to use it against others in the interest of themselves and their family and in some aspects of their country. But at the end of the day, it's going to be your family and then you. What did Will Smith say? It's a very famous quote. Uh, Love makes you do crazy things. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, but and I I joke, but at the same time I'm I, I mean I'm serious. I, I think it's I I think that's one of the the biggest misconceptions we have about the fact that about about humanity is that just because time rages on and our communication has gotten better, we're more interconnected than ever before. Diplomacy is easier than ever before, and we all have kind of evolved and adapted, and 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 we have a little bit more of an understanding of like, hey, let's if we all work together, we'll have a pretty good time. That you can't, you cannot destroy instinct. You can't. Unfortunately, you just can't. 
And that's that's one of the one of the biggest missteps in behavioral psychology for everything, for addiction, for those who are in prison for 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 crimes against like, you know, sexual harassment or, or sexual assault. Unfortunately, in some aspects, there are just people who are not built with a good willpower or filtration system in society, and they don't know how to act. You think that that wasn't happening in like caveman times where they were just putting their hands on whatever woman they wanted or whatever thing they wanted in front of them? That was happening. It's wrong. We recognize that now and we've advanced to a point where we know it's wrong. It doesn't mean it's going to stop. It doesn't mean we're going to be able to put that fire out. It just means we have to learn how to contain it, learn how to address it. So we're not learning how to address this instinctual primal instinct in other countries because America was founded on individual liberty and freedom and whatever. And we respect those who prop each other up, who are who are who are self-made, you know, in respectful ways and, and freedom and liberty and all this all this wonderful sounds good on paper stuff. But in reality, we really we really do respect people who are bombastic and loud and in charge. If you're at a bar and someone's taking your seat and you came over and say, excuse me, sir, I was sitting there. And he says, so what? What are you going to do about it? And then you just kind of walk away and say, okay. Well, obviously you and I know that that's the high road because you're not going to solve anything by punching the guy in the face. But if you do decide to get you know, a little more aggressive with him and it leads to you punch him in the face and you knock him out and you grab your chair and you walk back to your seat and you set your chair back down and you sit down next to your friends, you're going to get a standing ovation in the bar because you won because now we respect you. It's not right. That's, that's assault. Him taking your chair doesn't warrant you to beat him. Just like making a joke at the Oscars doesn't warrant you to hit someone. But we celebrate that. And a lot of these third world countries and even second world countries and even parts of Ukraine and Russia, they more respect those who are who are loud and in charge and, and strong. Like there's there are videos of Putin riding around on, on horseback with a shirt off in, in decent shape for the age that he is. And it's it's funny. We laugh about it. But I guarantee you that if, if our president were to do that and he was ripped, if the if our president looked like the rock, we, we would we would feel pretty strong about ourselves because it's like, yeah, it's that it's that 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 masculine. It doesn't have to be male, but that masculine ferocious ferocity that we are like, yeah, we're we're in charge. We can handle ourselves. I think I think we just have to deal with that better. I think we have to understand that better. And and it, it, if we don't understand that, if we just assume that, well, it's 2022, why are we still using weapons? I mean, if it's not weapons, it's going to be sticks and stones. And if it's not sticks and stones, it's going to be fists. No matter what happens, there will always be a time for people, like you've said, who are insane to be insane. I think that the larger question that we have right now before us, will that insanity ever get to a point where it is the, the doomsday final countdown type, like fallout sheltered dealio will we get there we've chemical weapons and biological weapons have already been used they don't use they're not used that often and when they are used the the united nations for whatever they're worth and and the nato sound off with sanctions and get get pretty angry pretty quick if a nuke happens i, I think that's a whole another level that I, I don't think people are even prepared to understand what that means we can talk about it all the live long day nuclear warfare it sounds fun right it makes a good thumbnail for a podcast but it's that that you're you're now stepping into a new territory where it's like who if someone had the balls to actually launch a nuke, what they're doing is they're effectively accepting the fact that they're done. They are done. We're gonna come in there and swiftly kick their ass, even if it means our own demise. Because you launch one nuke and then you launch another nuke, guess what? Fifty more are coming. And then I think we have enough nukes in this country alone to like kill the world population ten times over. It's insane, but it's a it's a dick measuring contest. That's good. Just you know, you gamble the fate of humanity <laughs> to a dick measuring contest. That's so apt, you know. <laughs> I mean, but like, where are we in the state of 
the world. I mean, if it's always some kind of existential, if it's not a nuclear holocaust, it's, I don't know, an asteroid comes to kill us. If it's not that, it's, you know, a deadly virus that kills, you know, half the world population. If it's not that, it's this, it's that, it's this, that. We've been in a perpetual state of what's going to end us for a long time. I mean, since biblical days, it's like, okay, well, the end is nigh. Well, how do you measure that? Like, I mean, on what timeline scale? Like, it could be tomorrow. It could be a thousand years from now. Well, and that that was one of the things that I wanted to address that you had said earlier, that like one of these biblical scale type things that were, that were to happen, would we all band together and go, oh my God. I've seen shirts out there that are like, you know, live every day like it was 9-12. Because on 9-12-2001, the entire Western world, especially our country, we're on the same page. We were holding hands, holding each other close. And we were like, you know what? Differences aside for one moment, like I think George W. Bush's approval rating went to like 99% for a week. I mean, the way that he handled it in the aftermath was he did, was deserved. He, he spoke to the people. He was a man of the people. And he was, he was, he was angry, you know, whether or not we're going to get conspiratorial about what he did or did not know it happened. And it probably happened in a way that the government didn't plan for. Even if they knew murmurs and 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 thoughts were going to happen, but that you couldn't manufacture the feeling and the reverberation that happened from 9/11. You couldn't manufacture the feeling and the reverberation from Pearl Harbor. Two events that stick so clearly in our American minds. And then before that, maybe the Civil War kicking off would be another like just that that moment of just like oh fuck, this is happening. That shift from. St- state loyalty to national loyalty and then Pearl Harbor got everyone on board for World War II and fuck the Nazis and fuck Japan and then 9-11 got everyone on board for unfortunately what became a waste of a war does it always need to take one of those events to get us you know riled up together if if, Russia invading Ukraine alone isn't enough to get us interested in protecting Ukraine we'll send them help and we'll send them good vibes and thoughts and prayers and whatever all the live long day but at the end of the day, are we going to send actual people boots on the ground to Ukraine? No. But if Russia were to launch an attack on the United States because of the sanctions or because of the, the aid we've been giving Ukraine, maybe it's a different story. I don't know what that looks like in 2022, especially with our social divide and how, we, how we've how handled our national politics in the last 10, 15 years. We kind of saw it attempt from our federal government in, in kind of trying to make something out of the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, obviously an awful thing. We should make sure that we're taking care of each other, you know, washing our hands and don't sneeze on grandma. It became a manufactured thing where it felt like it was mom and dad forcing you to do things like wear a mask and social distance and things. It's like, do it for your neighbor, friend. It's like, no, we have to be able to do that stuff on our own because the moment that it hit, it hits home, I will then care about helping someone else. And that might be jaded, but it's human, it's human nature. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate that it's not just implicit. Do things... You know, for each other, for your community, for your neighbor. It's like, no, we need some kind of existential threat to get us to band together into some sort of like cohesive union. And yeah, for two weeks there when COVID started, it was like, wow, everyone is kind of on the same page. Like, I mean, there's outliers, of course, but the general sentiment was, hey, this could be a real thing. Let's, you know, hunker down together. And then, yeah, it quickly changed and turned into what's really going on here. I don't need a hundred mandates to tell me what I can and cannot do and who I can and cannot see. I, I And speaking on like sending troops boots on the ground, like how quickly could sentiment turn like, okay, yeah, like there's there's generally like people who want to put the Ukraine flag in their their Twitter name, their Twitter handle or their profile picture or something or a button at the Oscars that has uh, the Ukraine flag on it. But how quickly would it be like, oh, we're, we're engaging now. We're going to send our 
our kids over there to fight. We're going to put the tr- we're going to institute the draft again. Like how quickly would that change? Like, oh, I, I don't I, I, I can't just sit, you know, thousands of miles away and, and say I support you. I have to actually put my life on the line for this. Like how quickly would that change? This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. Thank you for listening to part one of this important topic. What are your thoughts on a potential nuclear conflict? Will cooler heads prevail and prevent ultimate destruction? Or are we heading down an inevitable path that will lead to our own demise? The full video version of this podcast is available on Patreon right now. For just two bucks a month, you can help support the Kogan Conversation and get exclusive access to content. If you enjoyed this discussion, please share it with friends and family and be sure to tune in to part two, available April 25th, everywhere podcasts are available. Cheers. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.